Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Ace on Music. I'm joined by my producer Mark. And uh, unfortunately this week, Sean is out. He's uh, dealing with a bout of the dreaded COVID-19. So anyway, um, before we get started, I wanted to just do a quick uh, little sort of eulogy here. Back when I started uh, being a music journalist back in the mid-90s, I was, uh, I was also doing freelance uh, internet work, and I was approached by some people I know to do a website for a very popular music magazine called uh, Metal Edge, and the editor of that magazine was a lady named Jerry Miller. And during that time, I would, I would spend a lot of time talking to Jerry. She was very involved in the website, and we would often spend evenings talking about the contents of the site. And because we were both big music fans, we, we, we would talk about that quite often. And at some point, the magazine got a contract to do a special edition of the magazine that would be sold at the Kiss reunion shows that happened in the 90s when the boys smacked the the uh, face paint back on and uh, and did that world tour and that was when the internet was really starting to blossom into uh, websites for bands and everything and kiss had a big web presence at the time and so she approached me and wanted uh, because i was her resident internet expert she wanted me to uh, pen an article about uh, all of the websites that KISS had out there and little reviews of them. And that was part of this uh, this uh, special edition magazine, which led to me writing a regular column in Metal Edge magazine and kind of launched my journalistic career. And Journey, uh, and Jerry was a very important figure throughout the, the hard rock era during that time. And unfortunately, she passed away this past weekend. So I just wanted to to say a big thank you to Jerry for all of the help and breaks she gave me back in the day, and I hope you rest in peace. So, moving on, there has been something that has been all through the media in the last few months that uh, that confounded me, to be honest, and it's this concept of NFTs, which stands for non-fungible tokens. Now. To start it all off, I know that most of you won't uh, know what an NFT is or a non-fungible token, but essentially it is a digital certificate of authenticity that you can purchase that will give you ownership over some digital property or even in some cases physical property and things like that. Now there's been some record-breaking sales in this market and it's all based into the uh, virtual currency world and using that technology, the kind of, same kind of thing that does Bitcoin and Ethereum and things like that. But here what you're getting is what amounts to a digital product that you are the owner of. And I, I, this, is, this is something new as far as I'm concerned in a certain way. I mean, up until now, if, if, if I had a, an Im, a digital image, it could be reproduced ad infinitum. Uh, you, every time that somebody took a copy of it, it would be an identical copy to the original and on and on and on. But in today's technological world, they've now figured out a way through using blockchain and all these technologies. And if you... I'm not going to go into the technology behind all of this right now just because it's so it's 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 a whole other conversation and I and I recommend that you investigate it yourself. I'll put a couple of links down in the comments of some really great YouTube tutorials on make you understand this, but 
basically, artists are now starting to use these NFTs in ways that um, that I find very interesting. Now, you have to understand the one thing about a non-fungible token is it's almost, in addition to being almost a, a digital certificate of authenticity, it is also a little program all on its own. And it's a program that can't be counterfeited. It can't be um, you know, hijacked or anything through the very nature of how blockchain works. So there have been in the headlines lately that the pe people are paying tremendous amounts of money for some of these NFTs. And, and understand that a lot of the NFTs that are being exchanged right now are purely digital in their, in, in their nature. So, for example, you could purchase a piece of digital art that an artist has done that the entire world can still see. You can go, you know, you can literally go online and see it through the nature of blockchain. That's part of the, the, the uncounterfeitable part of blockchain. And, but only one person actually owns it. And, it. and in addition to that, there's another nuance here that an artist can also build it in to the NFT that they have a little more control over the, uh, the future, what happens to that image in the future. For example, they can build it in there that if the NFT is ever sold on to somebody else, that the artist will get uh, a set percentage of the sale. And that's just part of, uh, part of how it works. And now people in the music world are starting to use this, whether it's uh, the, very famously the Kings of Leon just released their new album, and they also released it as an NFT so that you could buy a copy of their record as an NFT, and they would occasionally have little bonuses in there, like some of the NFTs they sold had, say, a pair of front row tickets to a future show or uh, some piece of merchandise or something. So NFTs can also represent things in the, in the real world, but right now the big push is in the digital world. And it opens up a whole different conversation about how musicians are going to, to, uh, to use this and how it's going to affect the music business. Now, Mark, you are a lawyer and you are an expert on a lot of uh, really knowledgeable about a lot of things like copyright and things like that. You've studied a little bit of NFTs. What, what's your take on these? You know, Ace, uh, I think my take at this point is that um, I'm impressed in the same sense that I would be if somebody were to be a collector of something physical. Uh, it, it uh, for instance, it sort of reminds me uh, of somebody who pays the city, the municipality or the highway, uh, the state of California, X number of dollars in order to own a highway. And you drive down the road and you see that that person's name is associated with that stretch of highway. It is a wonderful naming right. And there's some bragging. There's, you know, in the case of music or art, obviously there's an ownership interest that can be resold. Maybe naming a highway is not really one of them. But it doesn't give you extra rights with respect to the road. You can't go extra fast. You know, you still have to respect the world. And, and in the same sense, NFTs remind me of something similar because they're not an exception to copyright rules. If the record label owns the master recording of that particular piece, you may actually own something else that's sort of a tranche is what they used to call it in, in the world of, of, uh, of securities. Um, you would get a tranche of something that has some, some value, certainly bragging rights and something you could put on your wall and be thrilled about. And as a collector, that could go up and up and up. 
but I'm still confused when it comes to how artists are going to find a way to create tranches of their music that is special and unique and ultimately valuable. I agree with you 100%. I've spent a considerable amount of energy over the last little while trying to wrap my head around this whole thing. Obviously, I want to know how it's going to affect my artists and things like that. And what it's what it seems to boil down to is it's it's the the NFTs are worth what the purchaser feels they're going to be worth. Uh, for example, um, let's t- let's take a let's take a, a page out of the world of collectibles. Um, there are if if uh, an example that we talked about earlier is. I can go out there right now and spend a huge sum of money to buy myself an original copy of the Beatles' Yesterday and Today album with the Butcher Baby cover. There aren't many of these in the world. They're highly collectible, and they go for large sums of money whenever they go up for auction. I think the last one I saw was like $170,000. But one questions why somebody would pay $170,000 for that record. I mean, I can go online right now and listen to the entire album from beginning to end in glorious sound. I can go online and see the cover. I can see all of the artwork in the album laid out digitally. So why would I pay $170,000 to own the physical copy of this thing? It's all a perception thing, I guess. It's it's, and and it gets even more convoluted when you start talking about the digital world. I mean, there's an artist um, who did a, a thing called Five Thousand Days, and it sold for some staggering amount of money the other day, like sixty nine million dollars or something. And I can go online right now, and I can see every one of the images in that collection that was sold. It's just that somebody in this world has that little NFT on on their computer or wherever. And it says that you are the owner of this, but does that really matter? What do you think? Well, what I think is, uh, is <laughs> if we were to try to come up with a, a reason why somebody shouldn't do that, given that they already have access to it, would be like trying to argue that there's no reason to want to own the Mona Lisa as an original piece, even though that's available and everybody can see that and go to museums and spend thousands of dollars to travel just to be in the same room as it. That something about uh, Da Vinci touching that uh, makes it something unique. Um, I, I do, I do, I, you know, I don't want to come at this from a, a skeptical standpoint. I know collectors will value that and, and they have every right in the world to value that it is something the artist has given that cannot be replicated unless the artist chooses. And if the artist chooses to do it too much, unless you're like Kiss you may end up devaluing your own assets. <laughs> um, you know, it, and if you're not famous enough, then, I mean, you know, who care, Who wants to own my jacket? You know, I can make give you an original copy of an original jacket and no one will step up and pay for that because who am I? Um, I, I think that they, they are going to create these collectibles and they'll provide income streams. And obviously the resale value tied back to the artist is like selling a painting and giving back a percentage to the artist. I think all that's very valuable. Um, but I have yet to, um, I've yet to think about how it's going to magically change the music industry. I mean, you could already sell album covers that were first, you know, first print album covers or signed this and that, I, you know, you can, you can already authenticate things that are unique to the artist. And this is just another thing to me. And so I'm still getting my head around how this is magically going to change the world. 
Well, the one area that I think uh, the NFTs might have an effect is that um, if an artist sells the NFT to somebody, that by its very nature is an asset, and that purchaser can then sell that NFT on at some later date for whatever price. And yes, the artist can build in as part of the NFT that if the piece of art is ever sold, they get a percentage of that sale. But I think more importantly, it is transparent to the world. You can look at any NFT online right now, and you can see the entire history of who's owned it. And from an artist's perspective, that to me is almost like an, a built-in client list. Like You may never have interacted with buyer number two, three, four, five down the chain, but you can easily go find out who those people are and then have the means to create a relationship with them. So that that might move things forward. But Ace, that's no different than selling a house. Uh, I could True. go and pull the title and I could see every person that's ever owned that house. It, it doesn't, and, and I know that somebody very famous owned my guitar before I got to buy my guitar. It doesn't give me the relationship um, apart from the fact that there is a, a thread that gives me that relationship. Something I like, I can brag about it. Um, but it's, um, but the inherent value still t is tied to the underlying property, which is you want that particular thing. You want to be the only one who has Thin Lizzy's, you know, the boys are back in town. And, and it's pretty cool. It's one of my, one of my all-time favorites. And, and that, from a collection standpoint, would be pretty, would be pretty cool. I can see that. Well, I think you nailed it on the head there, and that's the bragging rights. You know, like, why would I pay $170,000 for a Beatles record that is extremely rare? For the bragging rights, to say that I have it, you know, to for whatever that that stimulates in, in your brain. I mean, obviously, those people have decided that the ownership of those NFTs is more valuable to them than the considerable sum of cash that they have paid for them. And and I, and I think there's pro there may also be some speculation going on here by some who think that they're going to be worth more money. But there's some inherent problems behind NFTs that haven't really been talked about an awful lot yet. And the first one is that, yes, they are in the blockchain, but by their very nature, you have to access them through a gateway. And there are several popular gateways. But if your NFT is assigned to a certain gateway, and for whatever reason, that company decides to shut down today and and remove their website from the internet, you would lose access to your NFTs. And there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it, it's not like you can force them to keep their websites up and running. So there's, there's an inherent problem there. The other one is the environmental impact. And I know that's going to sound strange when you're talking about a digital product. But right now, the, the transactions that are happening online as far as um, digital currency and NFTs and things like that, it takes a tremendous amount of computing power to deal with these things. The current estimates are that the transactions in the world right now that happen with uh, through blockchain and things like that generate about as much environmental impact as the entire country of New Zealand. That, that you know, it's a very intensive kind of procedure and it's going to come under fire from the environmental lobby very soon because because of that aspect but the bottom line seems to be it's what it's worth what people will pay for it and that to me is a very very shaky foundation to make something like this on i mean okay this guy paid 
$69 million for that artist's thing, but it's a digital thing that the world can see. And just like you said, you can go look at the Mona Lisa online right now if you want. But there is a certain percentage of the population that is going to get off on the idea of owning the Mona Lisa, say, for example. And if there's more than one person who feels that way, it comes down to a cash war about, oh, okay, you want to own the Mona Lisa? How much are you willing to pay? Well, this guy's willing to pay more, and that guy's willing to pay even more and more and more and more. And then the price starts going up and... And it's only because that group of people believe that that painting is worth that. Sure, the actual physical value of the Mona Lisa is, what, maybe 30 bucks in materials or something and, and the labor that da Vinci did it, but it's the Mona Lisa. So its, it's, it's impact is, is considerable and therefore its non-tangible value is almost incalculable. So do you, do you see... Do you see any way forward for this being something that is really going to be earth-shatteringly changing the the world? You know, it, it, it's interesting. In a sense, I feel like it's going backwards. Um, when I first started buying albums, I owned the album. If I wanted to sell the album, I could sell the album. And I, I don't mean going backwards in an, in a negative way. What I what I'm what I'm really saying is, I don't know that it changes the world. I think it provides uh, a means of a of an amazing collectible. Um, I think your your point, Ace, is well taken. I mean, the, everything still has to stay functional. We've no we've now seen a number of occasions where people have accidentally lost all of their photographs and all of their music collections and all of a lot of things because what they thought was was uh, immortal turned out to be mortal when it came to business. But ultimately, you know, you are buying an asset, and I don't know how that magically changes anything that's where we were uh what's interesting about music is you're not getting the most important asset from a financial perspective which is you're not getting either the writers or the performers uh ownership uh or the performers the, the right yeah the writers or the performers ownership you're not getting the publishing rights you're not getting uh the the ownership of the master necessarily of course you can try to bundle that stuff up and sell it um, you, you could already, those are real assets. Uh, this is a different asset. And I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm, to me, I don't know what changes the whole world. It provides a very fascinating stream of potential income for, for, for the right artists. Well, I agree with you. And, and, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been struggling to wrap my head around how this is going to really impact things. Like my nephew plays this game called Roblox, which is one of the biggest games in the world right now. And he gets so excited, and he will spend real-world money to buy, say, a new digital outfit for his character in the game. Understand, there's nothing physical being exchanged here. There, he's paying real-world money for a digital outfit for his character. And they can take it even further in saying there are, you know, digital outfits that are more rare than others, and so therefore they cost more, and and the rarest ones can go for staggering amounts of money. I mean, this all started with this uh, this weird cat game online uh, a few years ago where these guys used NFTs where you could buy these digital cats, and then you could literally breed your digital cats together, and under their algorithms, it would create new cats with new sort of attributes and you could find different cats you wanted to breed in order to get the end result one to create a you know whatever attributes you wanted to see in your cat 
But understand, all of these cats are digital. They don't exist in the real world. There are people paying real-world money to own a picture of a digital cat that looks a certain way. And as far as music, I mean, I... You know, I don't. I'm just having a lot of trouble seeing how this is going to move forward. But what excites me is the NFTs themselves are little computer programs, and I don't think the real sort of potential has been unlocked by anybody because nobody's just quite figured it out yet. And so I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. But right now, I'm I'm on a a uh, an observer of this because I just want to see where it goes. You know, one thought here is. Here we are sitting in a in, in a in a world away from the rest of the world. We're in a studio. We are not uh, we're not 18 uh, years old. We're not uh, super uber wealthy. And collections, you know, have always come from people who are largely wealthy or fanatical. And innovation has you know is often associated or attributed to people who are who are young and totally into it or and and I don't want to come across. I mean, we're 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 technology fanatics, um, and yeah, maybe been in the music business a little too long, um, but I'm I'm very interested in the possibility. I, I while I don't necessarily see how it changes the world, I hear everybody comes in with a, an idea or a show idea that's going to change the world. Um, I don't know how it changes the world, but I'm certainly interested in it. And as we've talked about on other other shows like merchandising and things like that. We're always interested in finding ways to make more money for our acts and for ourselves. And so this is definitely high on the list and it should be one of the hot topics right now. Well, the other thing I thought that the music industry might do with it is, are you familiar with the electronic artist Jean-Michel Jarre? I am not, no. Uh, he's he's been around a long time. He he did uh, he's he's made some of the most groundbreaking electronic albums in the in the 80s. Things like Oxygen and Equinox and things like this. Anyway, he, a number of years ago, and I'm thinking this was in the late 80s or yeah, it was in in the, in the mid to late 80s. He recorded a record that he called Music for Supermarkets, and he pressed one copy. And he put it on auction, and the idea being that whoever bought that one copy of the record would own that record. He, he, he wanted to do it like a piece of artwork, where the person who purchases a painting is the one who owns it. Now, in, 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 a, in a page of the NFTs, the, the night before the auction, he went on a French radio show and he played the album in his entirety, and of course, bootleggers got a hold of it. And 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 I've heard the record. Most any real Jean-Michel Jarre fan can find the record in some format on the internet and hear it. So in reality, the owner is not the only one who's experienced or loved it. The same story happened with that Wu Tang album. That the Wu Tang Gang did an album a few years back where they sold the rights for some staggering amount of money and you know that person owned it but the world has heard that record i mean we know what it is so the the bottom the my final conclusion after doing a lot of research on these nfts right now is it's it's basically a digital equivalent of owning one of those beatles records if it 
means that much to you that you're willing to part with $170,000 to own that record, or if you're willing to part with that money to own that specific NFT and be able to go to your friends or the world and say, hey, look, I own this NFT. Don't, aren't, I, aren't I great? Power to you. But at this point, it, I don't really see much more than that out of it. How about you? Uh, you know, if if you are the collector, then there's value to it. And uh, I still, I, I'm still the owner of a handful of bootleg records by uh, by Springsteen that I don't know that many other people have. I don't know how uh, how they ended up being pressed into vinyl, but I have them. And um, and I know, you know, I, I hey, I get the value of something special and something that's yours. Uh, but I agree with you, Ace. And and. You know, it's an interesting it's an interesting space to be in, and yeah, it it's great to be the only one they can own something, or or within a select few they can own something, and it's also great, as we were talking about in merchandising, to put a bunch of stuff in the box, uh, and NFTs certainly allow that, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think I think that you you touched merchandise there. I think that might be one area the music business will really benefit from NFTs. I mean. I could go right now and take one of my artists and say, okay, uh, here's an NFT and we're going to sell it for this amount of money. And this NFT is the equivalent of a real world t-shirt. If you buy this NFT, you can cash it in for the actual t-shirt and then, you know, you could have that physical good. So, I mean, NFTs are not restricted to the digital realm, but that is where they're making all the big impact right now. So... It's it's clear that this is something that is in its infancy. This has really just been coming into real light in the last few months and uh, something that we need to watch close. But I appreciate uh, the opportunity to discuss it with you, and I think it was pretty interesting. So I love it, Ace. It's, uh, it's a good topic, and the great thing about it is it is making a difference in the business. And uh, whether it makes a difference forever in the business or a difference for right now, it's certainly a fun, awesome thing to talk about, especially after a year where things have kind of gotten stale as we've all kind of struggled to figure out our way. So awesome. And it might be the gateway to the next thing that's going to uh, to really change things. So anyway, uh, I wanted to say thank you to Mark for the for the conversation and thank you to all of you for your continued support. The, the show wouldn't go on without you. We're always looking for your feedback. You can email us at acetalksmusic at gmail.com. You can also see our after-hours show over at the patreon.com platform where we, we talk about other things entirely on, these, on this front. And in the meantime, thank you for viewing, and we'll see you next time.